Just a word of warning, this is a podcast of a Young Writers Festival and it has a lot of explicit language and some very deep adult concepts. I wouldn't recommend it for children and I would be considerate of others around you when playing this podcast. Maybe pop on some headphones, that way no one can get offended but you. This could get messy, this could get weird, I'm not sure where it's going to go but I'm very excited. Um, So strap yourselves in, we have some amazing performance for you today. All right, festival friends, welcome back to the National Ring Writers Festival. I just would like to firstly acknowledge that we're standing on the land of the Awabakol and Wurramai people, that sovereignty was never ceded and this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Coming up next, we have Eamon Mara. Eamon Mara is a writer and comedian from Wellington, New Zealand. He has a master's in creative writing from... Is that an I-I-I-M-L at Victoria (laughs) University? He has been published in Sport, Turbine, Mimicry, and his writing is featured on Radio New Zealand. He has performed in the New Zealand International Comedy Festival, the Auckland Writers' Festival, Lit Crawl, and the New Zealand Fringe Festival. He is very efficient at doing his taxes. (laughs) He also has a book coming out in February. Can we give a warm welcome, please, to Eamon Ma? Yes, th- thank you, thank you very much. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I have a, I've got a broken wrist at the moment. Um, just want to acknowledge that. Uh, I, this, this isn't on purpose. It was uh, I, I fell off my bike. Uh, it's, uh, it's been great because people have been really nice to me uh, since it happened, uh, except my, my very good friend Freya, who's right here, who just like was real angry at me for two weeks. Uh, <laughs> after it happened because she had real bad PMS and uh, everyone was giving me sympathy. <laughs> so, so this is Freya here. Um, I, I'm not like the world's most confident person. Uh, I've, I've been told often that I, I need to be more confident uh, especially if I ever want to uh, get into a relationship because uh, people think that confidence is sexy uh, and that I need to uh, f- fake it till I make it. Um, but I, I don't know, like, I don't really want to have to fake something about myself in order to find somebody who thinks that I'm sexy. Uh, I really, I, I really want to find somebody who just thinks that, thinks that panic attacks are really sexy. <laughs> I also, uh, I don't know how to, how to how to fake uh, confidence because my anxiety it comes out in these really uh, physical ways like I, I shake a lot and I sweat a lot and I don't know how to fake being dry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also I'm not really sure if I want to stop shaking because it's about eighty percent of the exercise that I get <laughs> at the moment. Uh, I, I I used to be a bit more confident. I was a real I was a real confident uh, child. I was, I was a, I was a gifted child, um, which I'm not, I'm not telling you this because uh, I think sometimes people tell you that uh, they, they were like a gifted child or they got a lot of awards as a child in order to like explain their mental illness as an adult, right? Uh, it's not, it's not what I'm doing here. Uh, I'm just bragging. <laughs> I was like, I was like medium gifted. Like, 
like not fully gifted. Um, I, I like, I was doing like 13 year old maths when I was 10. I wasn't like doing, it wasn't, it wasn't that impressive, um, really. Um, I was also a really precocious child, um, which like I, I knew precocious meant as like a child who acts a bit like an adult. So I often would tell people that I was a precocious child, uh, not, not realizing that that's a word that adults generally say about a child they don't like very much. Yeah. Uh, things, things weren't always great as a, as a child. I, um, I had, it was, it was mostly fine. I was, the, a big, big issue was I was uh, gluten free as a child, which, which doesn't seem like a big issue now, but this was in the 90s before like the gluten-free fad was like a real thing, you know? So like you couldn't get gluten-free food at the supermarkets. You couldn't get gluten-free food at cafes or anything like that. Like back in the 90s, I used to get a letter every three months in the mail from the government, which we would take to the um, hospital where there's a special pharmacy where they'd give me prescription pasta. <laughs> And, and like, whenever we went to cafes or anything like that, there was, there was no gluten, like special gluten-free food on the menu. Uh, so often the only gluten-free thing there was chips. And my, my parents got really worried about it. And we're just like, oh, we can't just feed him chips all the time. He can't eat chips every day. But I'm an adult now, and I've proven that that's not true. <laughs> so also... Uh, when I was 20, I went uh, to a new doctor and learnt that I was never celiac. I, I could have eaten gluten the whole time. I, I just had a doctor as a child with an anti-gluten agenda. So it was around the time that I like introduced gluten back into my diet that I got real bad mental illness. And the whole time I was like... Is this a coincidence or is this just the price I have to pay to eat bread? <laughs> um, yeah, so I, 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 I used to have like super bad anxiety and like I'm just going to be honest with you now, uh, my anxiety isn't quite as bad anymore. Like a lot of the jokes from today's, today's set, which are from a comedy fisher I did uh, last year in um, Wellington called Dignity, uh, which Freya described as Amon used to have anxiety and now he just has four jobs. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, I, um, I have four jobs. If you are wondering, like, if you're tossing up and you've got three jobs and you're tossing up whether to, um, to get another one, I'll just give you a piece of advice. Uh, don't do it. <laughs> it's, it's a terrible idea. Um, but I, I'm pretty lucky with some of my jobs. Like, um, one of them is... I, I work in an office in the book industry in New Zealand, which I'm really lucky because I've, I've I studied literature and I studied creative writing and I like went out of that and got a job pretty much straight away in the book industry and that was really cool and I'm really grateful. Except somehow I uh, I became the finance administrator for this book industry job. <laughs> I don't really know what I'm doing there. Like I, I once sat through a three-hour meeting about future cash flow analysis. And I don't really know what that is. <laughs> I just said things like, ah, oh, September's going to be tight. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
and everyone else like nodded along like yeah that sounds about right because they're all arts grads as well and we're all just locked in a room with each other with a bunch of numbers in front of us yeah so I, I don't I'm not going to talk that much more about that job because don't really want to get fired <laughs> but I will talk about a really important part of this um work which is where to get the cheapest lunch on Willis Street in Wellington um, Monday to Friday. Does, is, this, is this relatable for anyone else? <laughs> All right, who here has heard of uh, St. Pierre's Sushi? Yes. <laughs> All right, so it's a, it's a budget sushi chain. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not good. <laughs> but what's important is, does anyone know how to get the cheapest sushi from St. Pierre's Monday to Friday at lunchtime? Sushi of the day. Sushi of the day. You pay $5.70 for eight pieces of mediocre St. Pierre's sushi. You're probably thinking, Amon, doesn't get better than that, does it? <laughs> right? All right, all right okay, that, that's where you're wrong. <laughs> I'm going to... Just... So this is a St. Pierre's loyalty card. <laughs> I'll just read it out for you. For you. Uh... Buy any St. Pierre's no, buy a St. Pierre's fresh sushi pack for six dollars or more at any St. Pierre's store, you receive a stamp. After nine stamps, you receive a free sushi pack up to the value of eight dollars fifty on your next St. Pierre's store visit. Great, right? <laughs> what, what's the problem here? Yeah, so sushi the day is five seventy. You have to spend six dollars, you can't get a stamp, right? Oh. No, so that's where you're wrong. What you do <laughs> is you get the sushi of the day on brown rice. That's going to cost you an extra 50 cents <laughs> up front. But I've done the future cash flow analysis. <laughs> and I've realized that you get a 10% saving on that. So 570 plus 50 cents, that's 620. 10% of that is 62 cents. So 620 minus 62 cents is... 558, great, great. It's 558. And you're thinking, Amon, doesn't get better than that, right? Just doesn't, can't get any cheaper than that. No, so, so you see here, it says free sushi pack, any flavor at $8.50 value. So you're not actually saving 10% of 620, you're saving 10% of 8.50. So this is the important part. When you go there, don't get the sushi of the day. <laughs> Even if it's Monday and it's teriyaki chicken, which is St. Pierre's best flavor, um, some people say that that's not authentic, uh, teriyaki chicken, but um, I'll just look up here in the corner. Uh, it says, our guarantee of authenticity. <laughs> so you know that shit's legit. So 620 minus 85 cents is... <laughs> it's... 5.35, so 5.35 is, is close. You're probably thinking 5.35 for eight pieces of, of delicious St. Pierre's sushi doesn't get better than that, right? <laughs> no, no, that, uh, I've, I've researched this is a lot. That is the cheapest way. <laughs> so that's, that's all well and good on a, on a Monday. You go in there and you can get your, your teriyaki chicken. Yum. Tuesday, 
You have smoked salmon sushi, which was also really great. Going there on Wednesday. Does anyone know what the sushi? That you, I don't think you do. It's, it's this is not the right audience. Uh, but it, but it's tuna mayo. Ugh. Ugh. Uh, the comedy festival in New Zealand is um, sponsored by Best Foods Mayo. So usually in this bit, uh, in the festival last year, I did a joke about how I was contractually obliged to like mayonnaise. <laughs> Turns out this is not the right audience. <laughs> so what are you doing on Wednesday? Uh, no. <laughs> what you do is you go down one floor. This is also, uh, all of these things were in the same building that I worked at. <laughs> so you go down one floor to the subway there, you get yourself sub of the day. 5.70 for a delicious subway sub of the day. You're probably thinking, doesn't get better than that, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> to be honest, I haven't looked into it. Uh, <laughs> Those, those types of things don't interest me that much. <laughs> um, does anyone know what the sub of the day in New Zealand was a year ago? <laughs> it was, it's pizza sub with cheese, uh, which is the best, best sub there is. Uh, no, there's no one who disagrees with me there. <laughs> Great. Yeah, I think that's that on the Thursday, or it was. While, but anyway, um, uh, go on there on a Wednesday, get pizza sub with cheese. Um, and I went up to the... And I, I like Subway, um, but I feel bad for the people who work there because, like, they just keep on doing the same thing over and over again. So when I go in there and try and, like, be friendly and nice and not just, like, treat them like a machine. And so I went up there and was like, hey, can I please get sub of the day, pizza sub with cheese uh, on Italian herbs? And he's like, yeah, uh, what cheese do you want? I said, I'll smoked, please. And he goes, oh, do you want it toasted? And I said, yes, but first, uh, before you put it in the toaster, could you put a couple of bits of tomato on so that gets toasted as well? And he went, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Then he was like, do you want anything else on before it goes in the toasty oven? And I was like, oh, all right. Could I um, put a few bits of red onion? He's like, yeah, yeah. And can I get some olives like melted onto the cheese he's like yeah yeah great great and then he uh, turns around and puts it in the toasty oven and usually what happens at this stage is you get passed on to the next person in line who does the rest of the salads but he taps her on the shoulder and says I'll take this guy <laughs> and, and they swap places and then he's like what salads do you want? And I was like, I'll get lettuce. And he's like, yep, great. Puts the lettuce on. Like cucumber, great, great. And I said, oh, get some more olives. And he's like, yeah, perfect, more olives. And he says, do you want carrot? And I say, no. And he says, good. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I get a few more, I get capsicum and a few more salad things. And then he's like, what sauces do you want? And I kind of realize at the stage that I'm like one step away from having made the perfect sub. <laughs> and I was like, can I get sweet onion, please? He's like, yep, yep, great. Puts it on. And then I was like, 
and honey mustard. And he goes, oh. (laughs) And he like wraps it up without even looking me in the eyes. And I pay for it and I leave. And as I leave, I watch him just like shake his head at me. (laughs) And I don't think I'm welcome back at that subway (laughs) anymore. so that's, that's one of my jobs. Uh, that's, that's one of them. Uh, I have another job where I, uh, I go into schools and teach about uh, consent and healthy relationships and things like that. And, and that job's really fun. Uh, my favorite part of the job is uh, we, we talk about like what, what the human body does when it's aroused. And somebody's always like, erection. And we're like, great. What about people that uh, don't have penises? And the room just goes silent. <laughs> and then we're just like, we'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> and during this moment, uh, a class I had a couple of terms ago, a boy in the class thought it was a great time to eat a banana. (laughs) And he started eating it. And then everyone started looking at him and laughing. And then he, like, realised what he was doing. So he just, like, broke off bits. (laughs) Like that. So, uh, yeah, that's really great. Um... It's, it's kind of amazing I'm doing this job because when I was at high school, I knew, like, absolutely nothing about sex at all. And, like, just one time I – w- I went to this, like, all-boys school and it was all, like, super competitive and there was, like, basically competitions of, like, who had had sex the most or the first and who knew the most about sex. And I just knew nothing. And one time I was uh, sitting down in English class and this boy, Kyle Bowley, he, like, leaned back in his chair <laughs> – and he pulled out his wallet, and out of his wallet he pulled like a foil thing about this big. And he held it up to me and said, Amon, what's this? And I looked at it, and I looked at him and said, I don't know, soup? <laughs> it, it was not soup. Um, and all the boys in my class and the school and everyone just like call me Soup Boy and Soup Kid and saying, I bet you want some soup, don't you? You'll never get any soup. <laughs> and you know what? They were right. Because it was uh, 2003 and all soup had gluten in it. <laughs> so I did, uh, I did not get any soup. Uh, until I was 20 years old. <laughs> yeah, uh, I have, I have another job I have is uh, going into high schools and teaching stand-up comedy. <laughs> Sometimes I end up going into the same high schools <laughs> where I've taught consent about and like... There's one time where I walked into a, 
uh, I was I was standing at the front, and this boy just walked past and looked at me like, oh, it's the rape guy. I was like, please don't call me that. <laughs> like, really would rather, and I don't think he was meaning anything by it. It's just like those are the connections that he had in his head. It's like this is the guy who's talked about sexual violence with us. So I'm just like, <laughs> I really don't want to uh, be known as that by a bunch of uh, teenagers. Um, yeah, and so then my final job is like doing comedy and writing and all of that kind of stuff. And so I kind of, I'll, I'll be, I'm, so a lot of these jokes were from last year and about three quarters of the way through last year, I kind of stopped doing comedy so much. So I don't really have that job anymore. I also, at the mid last year, I stopped teaching comedy to high school kids. I quit my office job in January this year and then the other day I quit the other job. So I'm actually uh, unemployed <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> So after all this stuff, uh, yeah, I don't really have any any jobs. Uh, so I'm sorry I lied to you, but you know that that's showbiz, baby. <laughs> I also have um, one other truth to tell you. I've not once filled out one of these St. Pierre's loyalty cards. I have four of them in my wallet <laughs> with between like six and nine stamps, or oh, six and eight stamps on them. This one has seven. So. Sorry about that. <laughs> not not that good at future cash flow analysis. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much, Abena Mamara. The National Young Writers Festival occurs annually over the Labor Day holiday weekend in late September, early October in Newcastle, New South Wales. It is made possible by the support of Create New South Wales, the Australia Council for the Arts and the copyright agency Cultural Fund. If you want to hear more panels from the National Young Writers Festival 2019, as well as some of the amazing readings that came out of that festival, then head on over to their website, www.youngwritersfestival.org. You can also follow them on Twitter and Facebook or subscribe to the National Young Writers Festival on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify or wherever you get your pods. This podcast episode was produced, recorded and edited by Kel Butler from Listen Up Podcasting, a proud supporter of the National Young Writers Festival.